0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then didn't have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like
0: usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket, oh, saving the spot for the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. <laughs>
2: Right,
1: right, Boom! It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down better than a ten yards. Woo!
3: Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut.
1: Whitetailed Legacy Podcast coming at you with another baller episode. Next Talk, level. Talking about the veteran creator, the VIP, Veteran Innovative Products. Getting a getting a good elk story from him. That was an awesome story, man. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that man. you guys are in for just an just an epic elk story. Something that we yeah. haven't covered a lot on this episode because no. we don't really know no. much about it. We don't
3: know anything west of Illinois.
1: Nope. And we're not afraid to say we know absolutely nothing about Right.
3: Yep. We think we, we, we You yeah. remember when we were talking about Velvet Bucks and Yeah, Kansas? yeah we <laughs> Velvet we, Mule Deer somebody lit us up somewhere. Oh man. yeah, they were like these guys. <laughs>
1: just stop talking. Right. They don't know anything. But hey, we embrace it, so we uh we're 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 really excited for VIP, man. There's some yeah. major announcements in this, uh in this episode for them. Um uh a little company doing big things for themselves and for a lot of other people. A lot, a lot of other people. A lot of veterans. And um, it is
3: just from the hard work of his, from himself, from Matt, you know, and uh, his whole team, his wife, Chris, you know, everybody. Everybody yeah, doing he, their part.
1: And it was really cool that, you know, he's he's a creator of this Broadhead, but he shouted out everybody. He shouted out his family. He shouted out his staff. He's, he shouted out the people that are building it, he shouted out us. He shouted out the people that are shooting his broadhead and believing in him instead of believing that a famous person said, "Oh, I shoot this broadhead, so that's what I'm going to shoot." Right. You know, or going with the market trend. And there is some talk on here about uh, we try to put out nothing negative on this episode, so or on any episode. You know, we want to be positive about all bow hunters, and I think this this podcast this episode does a really good job of instilling that even if someone shoots something different than you or hunts different than you we're all hunters so we all need to stick together and make it you know make it a positive thing so when non-hunters look at it they don't think it's a negative thing we're bashing each other so that's one good message for this episode and another good message for this episode is uh tell your buddies you love them man because you yeah. never know you never know when you might not get that chance to to talk to them again so
3: <clears throat> and you know one thing that I jotted down here is it's not about who's there when you're born. It's about who's there when you're gone. Yeah. And that's, that's what Matt kind of covers, you know, with his elk story. And, um, what I just said right there is one thing my dad told me, you know, as I was a young teenager, you know, he just trying to teach you how to be, you know, a young man into a man. And, uh, that's how you measure the impact you've had on people's lives. And, um, tells you what kind of person you were.
1: Yeah. You know, if you you might have, uh, twenty friends but none of them show up, you know. Yeah, didn't they shows you shows yeah. you what you were, you know, you didn't make an impact on people's life and uh I think Gerald made a huge impact. So
3: Yeah. I can't wait to read that by the way.
1: Yeah, that article. We're gonna we're gonna get that article and tag it with this link because it is it's very well written and uh, it's it's just awesome to to be able to listen to a story and then read an article that he's talking about. So we're going to get right into the people that make this podcast possible. i start off with Ingram. I'm just itching to get my turkey mount back to get you guys a picture. It's got to be getting close. So this is a shout out for Ingram. I know you think you're
3: going to get your turkey back before you get a deer back? Yeah, I'm hoping. What?
1: I know I know you're listening. I'm ready for the European turkey skull, man. I want to see that beetle work. That beetle work is killer. That's kind of like booty work, but beetle work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark, trademark.
3: Just rolling in the pre-podcast talk, right yeah, there. Yeah, you know, there's
1: <laughs> stuff that flies out. You know,
3: if these studio walls could just. Talk, we lost dude. like six
1: <laughs> listens right there. People are like, "Click, <laughs> not listen to that." <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it,
3: guys, the Beatles. Yeah, is the guys, way to go. If
1: you guys got any skull work that you want to do, that's the way to go. So
3: you can send it right to his doorstep. Um, mm. As we get closer to the season, we'll put his address out. Um, we'll put his phone number out. We'll let you guys know how to get a hold of him. Um, Ingram outdoor obsessions on Facebook and Instagram. Check him out. Hit the like button. Follow him. He's going to be posting a lot of pictures of what he's rolling out. And, uh, you're not going to want to miss it.
1: No. Nope. Talk about ECW calls. We, uh, we got our gun tubes now. They're rocking. We can't wait to get them out there. Uh, we're going to be posting some pics soon. Um, guy nailed them. Uh, I like a, a nice dark wood. Uh, we got you know, these we tell you every time but this is handmade by a veteran, all American made, local trees, grunt tube. I mean, how I don't know. You could buy you could buy a grunt tube made by a huge product that's pla- or a huge company that's plastic and it's gonna do the same thing. But why not buy a grunt tube made by a veteran, handmade, engraved, whatever you want? For the same price, well, I'll it doesn't. Add. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that you'd buy a plastic one that, and
3: you only get the grunt.
1: Yeah, that has, this here's got the five settings. Yeah, that has no deep. That has no detail. Has no history behind it. Has no story. You know, some machine made it. They shipped it off, packaged it, and goes. This is hand by made by a veteran. Packaged in America, all American trees, engraved to whatever you want. For the same price as any other grunt tube. I don't know how you it, get better.
3: It, Jeff had this on the lathe just spinning away. Yeah. Just making this yeah, right here.
1: Making this call. I mean, his his hard work is in this call. Handmade wood call. And you can get custom wood if you want. You can pretty much tell him what you want and he'll build it.
3: Yeah, he, he can do some exotics, he said. Yeah. Um, you'd have to get in contact with him. We don't have the details on the yeah, exotics. He said but you
1: wanna be careful what noise or what wood you use because different wood make different noises and some resonate better than others. Right. But he's he's a technician on those calls. He's yeah. a professional. So he ain't uh, gonna steer you wrong. No, he ain't gonna steer you wrong. We're gonna talk about what this what this episode's all about, the veteran innovative products. We hit the veteran broadhead on this again. The freaking Broadhead's too good not to talk about. And uh, they're a big supporter of this podcast. Um, sharing, uh, believing in us from way b- from when we first started. You <laughs> know, right. just, just believing in what we're doing and believing that if we have a dream to have a podcast, no matter what the haters say, you know, or no matter what people put you down, that you can do it.
3: So. Funny story. I just went back and you know I was doing getting all the VIP shoutouts organized up for the one through fifty broadhead giveaway and had to go all the way back to episode one.
1: Don't like, do it, guys. Don't do, do, do it. do not do not
3: <laughs> start about episode eight, eight or nine, and then just go from there.
1: Yeah, we. It's we not got, too bad from there on. We got watch out the, for episode twelve, but yeah, other episode twelve is good. Rough. We got all the bugs kicked out and kind of got our flow. And just like when you're starting anything, you're, but like I told homie, it's going to be cool to look back in 10 years to those first steps. i be like, <laughs> man, we are done. Dude,
3: man. I was looking back just now, six months. I was like, holy shit.
1: Yeah. Who,
3: who lives on the airways? <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs>
1: we got a very special, uh, VIP shout out in this. This is a, a Gerald, um, this, this podcast is dedicated to Gerald. I want to put that out. We talk broadheads. We talk bear hunting. We talk caribou. We also talk about elk, and a lot of it is dedicated to Gerald. And one thing I will shout out, this this podcast starts a little different than most. We yeah. kind of got Matt started, and uh, the stuff was so raw and uh, so original that we just hit the record button, which I think is so cool. It's so unscripted that we're, like, in a story, and he's just telling us just to kind of get started, you know, like the warm-up when we're both talking. And then we just hit the record button. So you guys are getting, like, raw right off the bat. Just flowing into a story, then he didn't even know we were recording. No, yeah, he just starts you know, going. He just starts and going, and we're I, two
3: minutes and forty seconds in. And Cody's like, "Hey, man, we like, yeah, we, we need to start recording." I was like, doing, "Look at the time; it's two minutes and forty yeah,
1: seconds in." We're doing like our pre like sound check, you know, to make sure we're sending out good quality stuff. The soundboard's not messed up. Uh, all the auxiliary cords are plugged in, and then I'm like, "Dude, we just need to roll this because this is this is <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's so valuable." Um, like I said, we will share the link to uh the article that was in uh Peterson's hunting. Peterson Hunting. And I just wanted to say a special thanks to Gerald's family. He is an Air Force veteran. Um I never did get to meet him. But listening to the story that Matt tells and reading it in the article really uh let me know what kind of guy that Gerald is and like I told Matt, he's the kind of guy that I would like to hang out and hang out with and just like he said at his funeral there was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people there and that just shows you that you know what you said it's not what you it's not you know who you know or you know what when you when you're when you're doing good who's there it's when you're doing bad who's there or at the end who's there and that and that really shows the people that you touched during life and not just the people that were in it because it was cool or in it because you were going places and you know right. they wanted to tag along. I would say the
3: guy took Matt and Matt shot a monster bull. Yeah. And the dude was pumped for him. Yeah. Bigger you know, than
1: he's ever shot. Right.
3: And you know Matt said you know he was a little down but he was still pumped up for Matt. Yeah. And then lo and behold you know what happens next?
1: Yeah. You know you guys have to wait and wait and see but this uh this is a tearjerker man it'll get you it'll get you close if you guys got a hunting buddy out there uh, tell him that you love him I mean. You,
3: you know, and I've been wanting to say this for a couple of podcasts. I just haven't f- been able to fit it in yet. Like, we love the people that are partnered with us on this podcast. They're they're rocking out some badass product, and the the better thing about that is the people that stand behind the product are way better than anything that they could produce because they are just top notch people. Yeah, partnering with them guys alone is awesome.
1: Yeah, like, you know, Jeff, you know, he's just his son just went into the military. I mean, just dropped him off at basic training. Right. I mean, I mean, now now I, I'm going to be thinking his son. We need to get his son for a VIP yeah. shout out. I mean, I mean, that's just how how these people are. And and Matt doing his service and then believing in us and being so passionate about a product that just <laughs> he just doesn't care, man. No. He just he just loves it, and you it it just bleeds out of him. He he eats, sleeps, and breathes broadheads and killing animals. Yep. I mean, he thinks he was put on this earth to build broadheads, and I think he was too because he is conquering. I mean, yeah, he, he's he's dominating.
3: And just just like back to what I was saying, you know, when we went to Elmwood, we helped Chris set up his booth. You know, that's just you know we were kind of with him at that point, and you know. We helped him set up his booth, and then we were able to meet Jeff at the show. Um, we didn't know that things were gonna work out like they did, and we were gonna end up. Uh, he was gonna end up partnering with us. But I tell you what, if he's gonna be there next year, man, we'll we're, we're we're help there. him carry all his yeah. stuff in because he had a whole
1: whole bunch of stuff. That's what it takes, man. If you get, I think you get a lot more in life if you reach out and help people. Some say the good guy never wins, but I believe the good guy does if you're helping good people. You know, yeah. just like we are, we're we're super blessed to do this podcast. Just like we say every every week, um, when we have an emotional episode like this, it kind of hits us more deep, and we just really want to say thank you to our listeners again. You know, you guys are just rocking it. Um, I don't, you know, we're recording this earlier, but we had a twelve hundred listen week right before this. I mean, so that's huge, man. You guys are putting the word out. You guys are, you guys are being baller. That's all I got to say. Yeah. You guys are just. You're crushing it for us, and uh, I hope you guys are enjoying what we're putting out, and uh, we, this, since this is a, a veteran episode, we're going to do two VIP shoutouts, so hit him with the second VIP shoutout.
3: How about the first one?
1: Oh, uh, no. The no, yeah. first one was yours. Yeah. Okay, my fault.
3: So for the VIP shoutout on the second, I've got Matthew Hawkins. He was in the Army National Guard for 12 years and 3 months. His job is the Infantry Assault Squad Leader with the ACO 178th Infantry. He served a 17-month tour in Afghanistan. Also took part in Sandbagging of the Flood on the Mississippi River back in 08. His specialized training is he's a completed air assault school. He has some other specialized school in search and rescue, business, combat, life-saving, confined space rescue, structural collapse, hazmat technician, He's cross-trained as a 74D, which is a chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear specialist. And he said there's a whole bunch more stuff. He just can't pinpoint everything. Matthew, man, it sounds like you've done a lot. Um, 13 months in Afghanistan, I'm sure, was not fun. Um, We appreciate you going over there and doing that for us. And then also come back here and sandbagging on the old Mississippi
1: probably saved a lot of houses down there in the mississippi oh
3: i'm sure he did man and then you know all the training that you did um i bet you learned a lot man yeah done a lot of stuff thank you man we
1: appreciate it we we couldn't do this podcast without you and uh we're gonna get right in this episode guys hope you enjoy
2: came out with a guillotine broadhead you know that's the first one i brought to market it pressure from all my friends and family and bow hunters that heard I had it and that's kind of how I got started in all this and of course when folks realized the thing was for real and it made turkey hunting not only easy but it was quick and ethical way you know the most quick and ethical way to kill a a bird and uh, you know like the Texas biologist here when I first brought it to the wildlife law enforcement to make sure that you know they gave it the blessing of yeah that's legal and all that before i went public with it he said it was the fastest method he's ever seen of anything to kill anything is the way the guillotine works long story short though is that opened up a lot of doors after the ata show where people were calling hey come hunt with me here come hunt over there and you know i'm just a small redneck boy with a new widget and i love the turkey hunt so man i took people up on them offers and i traveled all over the united states and I made a trip by myself up to Pennsylvania and then Vermont, which was, you know, where I'm from originally and going to do a bunch of filming and lopping the heads off turkeys and well, two out of three hunts in Pennsylvania, uh, we got shot at by poachers and, you know, BB gun, you know, not BBs, but the, the pellets were going all up and around us thank god nobody got actually hit but man it was so close it was like okay i'm done with pennsylvania (laughs) and then i'd be done too yeah that was with two different folks that invited me up there and um and then i went up to vermont hunting with family and then i got home and, and i told my wife i says you know all this guillotine and traveling with folks i don't know you know and getting shot at i don't need this it's not worth it to me so i told her i'm not risking my life anymore to go hunt with strangers on strange property. And uh what was it the next year I got a call from Gerald Cindy? I I think it was the following spring. You know, I got a bunch of calls and I just kept telling people no, no, no. And and then I got a call from this gentleman, his name's Gerald Ortega, out of New Mexico. And something about him, you know, I, I had to ask my wife, Cindy, after I got off the phone with him, you know, he he wanted to turkey hunt, he'd never done it, and he was fascinated with a guillotine and he invited me up to uh, northeastern New Mexico to um to go turkey hunting with him for a week and and I was like I says, Well, let I didn't say no, you know, something about him. I just didn't say no. So I, I said, Let me tell you back. and I talked to Cindy and she says, You know what, it you know, so that made it about a sixteen hour drive to get to him in uh big state and and she says, why don't you just go? And so I, I called him back and said, you know what? Let's schedule it. So I did. And I went up there and spent one of the most fun weeks of turkey hunting I'd had, with the exception of hunting obviously with my wife and daughter. And this guy was amazing. And it was like he was uh, one of my best friends in my life, and we were just catching up on old times. The guy was, a, was, was just an incredible gentleman. And a full seven, eight days of hunting with him, we never even got a shot opportunity. Yeah, there were birds around, but they just wouldn't wanna play. So we sat there every day talking about what his passion was was elk hunting. And I don't know, fourth or fifth day into that, I had to finally fess up and say, I've never been elk hunting and that blew him away. Well, you're a professional bow hunter, brought it, manufacturer, blah. you never been elk hunting <laughs> <laughs> and I said Yeah never been and he's like well you're coming with me that's it and uh this fall you're gonna come with me i'm gonna get some of these landowner tags before they sell them to the outfitters and we're going i want to i want to be the guy to get you on your first ever elk and i was like well that's awesome i'm i'm in you know and um and he says all right i'll call you back when i when i land the tags and they're gonna cost some money and this and that and i'm like fine whatever and I said, "Look." I know people are all about trophy hunting. I'm not. And this was when I first came out with that little Adam Broadhead, right? The razor wire, crazy as people call it, the egg beater Broadhead. Can't believe it even <laughs> works. And uh, and I said, I am only interested in having a fun, successful hunt with you. I could care less about horns. I just want a nice fat cow for the freezer because I enjoy eating all this fun stuff. And, and, and show folks this little Adam Broadhead will kill an elk. And um, uh, he was like, all right, well, back then, every summer when my daughter got out of school, we'd hook up the bass boat, and we'd go back up to Vermont, spend time with family all summer long. And I I spent most of my time on the bass boat fishing. So uh, my phone rang one morning up there when I'm fishing, and it's Gerald. He says, hey, I got, uh, I got some news for you. And I, and of course, I'm thinking, oh, he's got some landowner tags already. And he's like, no, I, I got some different news. And he says, I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And we all know what that means. That is not good. And I says, okay, don't worry about that damn elk hunt. As soon as I get back from Vermont, I got about a week's worth of work I got to catch up on. And then I'm coming up to visit with you. And we'll, we'll, we'll have us a good chat and do whatever you want to do when I get there. And, um, and he was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm in chemo. And. And um, I'm going to get them tags, and by God, you are going elk hunting with me, come hell or high water. I was like, dude, whatever you want to do is exactly what I'm going to do, brother. And um, and then he ended up calling me back in, um, you know, like the end of July and first of August, and says I got the tags, and my cousin's going to hunt with us, and uh, we all got tags, and uh, you'll be up here by such and such a date. And that was, I. Uh, that was a, about a week after I got back from a caribou hunt. So I went caribou hunting in northern Canada with my buddies. Actually, he's my business partner now, Chris Albrecht. We thumped the hell out of caribou up there with the Adam Broadhead. So I came home, unpacked, clean clothes, packed back up, went out hunting with Gerald, right? And when I rolled up to Gerald's and saw him, uh, before he was a big, healthy man. And by the way, I got to say, he is an Air Force veteran. He serves he served honorably in the Air Force, so he's one of our fellow warrior brothers. But um, anyway, uh, he, he was half the weight of when I last saw him, had no hair. It was taking its toll on him. And I was like, look, we don't have to go do this damn elk hunt, because you could see he was tired. And he was like, nope, we're going. So our routine was we'd get up in the morning, we'd go chase elk, and then for the morning, and then you know they go lay down in the in the dark timber or whatever and uh, and then we come down off the mountain, we'd feed Gerald and put him to bed so he can rest up. And he'd wake him on he wake himself up so we didn't miss the evening hunt, you know, where we try to catch him coming down. And uh, and that went on for five days, four days, and then the morning of the fifth day, you know, that's the day I decided to leave my damn television camera because i was toting all that tripod and camera whatnot trying to get it on film and uh it was supposed to rain that morning so i left it in the truck well god blessed us with seeing a nice big elk herd 25 30 head and spike and two big bulls were just banging at each other fighting over the herd and um gerald had one of the little montana pop-up decoys it looks like they took the picture of a south end of a northbound <laughs> cow elk and right. and he, he says, Matt, get up in that little finger of pinion trees, you know, with tall grass in, in amongst it. And um, and I'm gonna get back here about seventy five yards and, and start calling when you're set. So I sneaked up in there. His cousin circled around in the dark timber to go around to where the uh, the cows were and see if he couldn't get one of those. And um, and so we lost sight of him and so it's just me and Gerald. Well that one big you know, they were both equally big bulls. And uh, they they fought their way into the dark timber out of sight. And as soon as one of them popped back up, it, it it popped back out up on the field. It looked over at all them cows. And then Gerald just gave one cow call on his call. And, um, you know, I knew nothing about elk hunting. I'd never done it before. And, and as soon as he gave that cow call, it sounded to me like a real cow. It made me turn my head and look. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, he, he, um... He got that bull's attention, and that bull came on a string, trotting down the field. And it, it was going like it wasn't going to come by me. It was going to be 75 yards ahead of me trotting from my right to left. And as soon as that elk cleared the pinion trees and could look and see where Gerald was, it saw that decoy. And Gerald was just standing right behind it, hiding behind it. And it turned and came, paralleled me 30 yards out on a trot. To practiced all summer long on moving targets and elk with Gerald. And then I 12 that thing, and Gerald could not believe I actually took the shot. Me, after we were standing over this dead elk, it didn't go 60 yards and fell over dead in about 45 seconds. And Gerald admitted to me, he says, Matt, he says, I was pulling my bow back in preparation for that bow to stop near where the decoy was. He says, "I had no idea you could shoot like that." <laughs> anyway, we're we're standing over this big old elk and hugging and dancing and just you know being quite thankful we were blessed with this monster. And um, and he's you know he's, he was a very Christian gentleman, very I mean Catholic you know very religious. And he says, "I'm just going to admit to you and God that of all the years that I've guided for the outfitters around here and we hunted with rifle, muzzleloader, and bow, I've never seen an elk this big." and um and i and i've always wanted to shoot one like this he says i'm i'm happy for you but i got to admit i'm a little jealous and i was like well thank you so much you know and i'll back up a little bit because the morning of the second day of our hunt uh, we were sneaking up this trail with um, gerald and his cousin and then me bringing up the rear lugging all my bow and camera equipment and and i heard it heard a twig snap behind me so i stopped turned around there's a cow elk down there 25 yards away and you know i i i, I just put an arrow on my string facing the other way and i pulled a full draw facing dead away and then i was turning my body around at full draw i was gonna drill her big old fat cow that's what i came here for and uh, gerald actually realized i wasn't walking with him and turned around and saw me about ready to shoot a cow. and <laughs> He scared it off. And I'm like, what did you do that for? I says, I had her." And he's like, I want you to shoot a bull. And I told him, I said, look, I am not about trophy hunting at all. He says, Matt, I want you to shoot a bull. And I said, well, it's too late. You scared it off. So I guess I'm, I'm bull hunting. And anyway, so. That morning of the fifth day, I ended up shooting this absolute giant. Now I don't do scores and all that kind of stuff, but everybody asks me, and the taxidermist knows how to score all that stuff, and and he says it's near a 380-inch bull. So it's a pretty stout six by seven bull. But um, so. Gerald's cousin shows up after we're over there doing a song and dance and starting to figure out, we got to, we got to start butchering this thing up. And, and he comes over and, um, surprised us and that, that, um, you know, he was all excited and happy and congratulating me. And he says, that's awesome. We got two animals down and we're like, what? He ended up sneaking up and sticking a big old cow. So he got a cow elk. I got my bull elk and, the sun's popping out and no rain and the weather's getting hot. So we had a whole lot of elk meat to get down off that mountain that day. And we did. And um, so it was pretty exciting times. And because there was no refrigeration at all, because everything was filled up, I ended up being forced to buy a whole bunch of cooler, you know, ice chests. And the whole county came to see this bull elk because it was just a monster. And everybody helped us butcher debone and, and rep, you know, butcher paper up and getting them coolers, all this delicious help me. And I didn't want it to go to waste, so I had no choice but to head back to Texas with all this meat. And um, so, anyway, I got I got back and talked to Gerald a couple times, and and, um, and then one morning I, I knew he had to go in for chemo, so uh, I called his house just to, you know, Wish him luck and and all that and and his wife answered the phone and I said, Well, where's Gerald? you know and he says, Well that son of a gun woke up without waking me up. He snuck up on the mountain. I just got off the phone with him. We gotta send the whole family up there because he shot a bull elk bigger than yours. (laughs) 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 So we gotta go up there and get that elk off the mountain. So the good Lord blessed that fine man with you know not only fulfilling his wish of having me shoot a bull elk but also blessed him with one just a little bit bigger than mine and uh, a lifelong dream of his and um, so that was awesome and uh, so at the time I'm I I was working pretty good on my consultant business and and my consultant business ended up having me out in California running a big project and uh, right before Christmas and so I thought, okay, you know, before Christmas on my way home, I'm going to swing up and see Gerald and, you know, he's still battling the cancer and chemo every other week. And it's just, it's just ugly. And um, so anyway, um, it was New Year's, uh, the, the project ran long. They actually gave me more work and my crew decided to stay over Christmas because it was well worth it to their wallets. And, and I just postponed going to see... Gerald. Well, I got a call from his family New Year's Day that year, and um, he passed away. So as soon as we finished the project, just a couple of days later, I I was able to make it to the funeral, and and I had uh, during the whole turkey hunt and the whole um, you know uh, elk hunt, I I was so impressed with this young man that I. I decided to keep a daily journal and I couldn't wait for my wife and daughter to meet him. And so I kept a daily log hunt journal. And I thought well, someday my wife and daughter are going to find it and learn how I really feel about hunting and everything and, and how blessed I was to meet Gerald. And on that day that I got the call, I, I I had to write another entry in my journal about how I felt at that moment, you know, and how sad I was, but how obviously blessed I was to meet him. So my best friend in the world one of them you know one of my closest friends in the world is Chris Albrecht and now he's my business partner and I realized at that moment when when you know I got done writing what I wrote that grown men don't tell their friends you know their other male friends that they love them you know they're yeah he's my buddy whatever in typical redneck fashion but on that day, I had to call Chris up and say, you know, nobody says this anymore, and I don't want to end up like Gerald, where I don't have time or energy to say it. So I'm going to call you up and just let you know that I love you, and I want you to read something when I get, you know, I'll, I'm going to email this to you. So anyway, I emailed in my, my journal. You know, I pretty much kind of condensed it down into uh, an article of why I wrote my journal. I didn't, I might. I, I used the word article, but I didn't intend for it to be published and when chris read it he was you know uh touched by what i had written and so he ended up getting me in touch and kind of convincing me other people need to read this this is really important and so he got in touch with uh, mr meatland he's a professional outdoor writer fabulous bow hunter patrick mightland and um really good good guy but uh, so we met with him at uh, an ata show or something for dinner and chris told me bring my computer and i did and he kind of tricked me into giving it to patrick <laughs> so long story short patrick put some polishing touches to it kind of cleaned up my redneck verbiage and and we jointly published they published it in peterson's bow hunting and, and all I asked for was, please give me a bunch of copies that I can give to his family. And um, and so we did that. And we've been in touch ever since. I talked to his, uh, you know, brother all the time and good family. But that was just my way of honoring Gerald's memory and, and also letting people know there's, you know, there is a lot more to whatever the damn score is on an elk or who has what equipment and goes on what hunts it's always about you know just like the two of you together starting up whitetail legacy and doing these podcasts look at what you guys are doing together and you're better for it and now not only are the two of you better for it but like you've told me now you've got over 1200 weekly followers waiting for your next podcast and growing because why people recognize your passion and your desire to you know embrace fully this love we all have for bow hunting in the outdoors and to pass on this, this legacy of hard-earned information and knowledge of, you know, all the things that come into play that we can continue to enjoy our outdoor lifestyle. Um, so that's kind of what the, the article was. And, but um, anyway, you guys are getting me all choked up because uh, it, it brings back like it was yesterday. I got that call from his family I was quite blessed to go to the, to the uh, funeral, okay? And I drove there from California, and I, this will give you an idea of how well liked and loved and the positive impact Gerald's short life had on his community. There, you could not find a parking spot to get near the church where they held the services for miles I mean, this gentleman, he was a, he would teach the youth at the YMCA how to box, you know, he gave of his time completely, it was just, he was just an incredible guy, but um, anyway, I i had written that whole little, you know, my journal, and I kind of cleaned it up and put it on that a word piece of paper, and and I spent time at, gerald's family's house uh i was very honored that they allowed me to be in their inner circle of their family and and i said can i please give you something to show you how important gerald was even though let's face reality i only knew this gentleman for a maximum of 15 days plus some phone calls that's how little few days i spent with him but i wanted his parents to understand the truth of the impact that their son had and it's a compliment to how they raised their son. So I, I asked them if they'd please read the article, you know, or read the, what I'd written about their son. And they did. And, of course, they, they greatly appreciated the honor I showed their son and to them as parents to raise him. And when we ended up at the church, they asked me to read it in front of God and everybody. And that was a huge moment for me, it was, you know, obviously challenging to speak, but I got through it, and, um, anyway, um, it was, you know, that article was just, I think, you know, it, it gives people a better sense of who I am and what my thought process is, I think, it's, and, and to me, what's important in our industry that's being lost, and, uh, you know, out of, you know, greed and, and my checkbook's this big, and my I shoot bigger animals than you. Well, whatever. I, I, I never subscribed to that, and now I absolutely don't subscribe to that. You know, if I shot big animals and boon and cock at this and that, was well, sure. I was <laughs> just because I had a tag in my pocket with bad juju on that animal to step out at the wrong time. But, um, um, you know, it's just God's will. But um, anyway.
1: Yeah, I know when I read that story. I was moved by it, and I almost felt like I personally knew Gerald just by reading that story. So, I want to ask you: would that would that be something that you could share with me, so we could tag it along with this episode, so people could read the the writing too?
2: Well, yeah, you can Google it. Uh, Google my amigo Peterson's bow hunting.
1: Okay, yeah, we'll make sure and uh, tag that link with this episode, so yeah. people can read that article. I think it was very well written. And then, like, I felt like I was there with you guys. And then I felt like I, like, I would want to hang out with Gerald. Like, he would be, you oh, know, the kind of guy that you would guy. really want to want to hang out with. When when I read that, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's very detailed. The hunt makes you feel. It's almost like you're, uh, like in my mind, I'm imagining every word that you're saying and going along with the story. And it was, it was, it was very good story. That's why I wanted to share it and then to be able to share share Jared with more people because. I think I think that that being that kind of person, inviting someone out hunting, and then being genuine, and just being a good friend goes a lot longer in people's eyes than like you said, like well I've shot two or three two hundred inches or Boone and Crockett's or you know some people relate to that, but some people relate to the people that are just genuine, good people that want to help everybody grow and learn, and I think that's just who Jared was.
2: Yeah, it, it, uh, that's him he was a very giving generous person you know he he didn't have a lot to give except time and knowledge and um and that is that's more valuable than financial
1: for sure yeah knowledge is like i said that's one of the number one things you do this podcast for us because we get to hear amazing stories but every episode we learn so much and and it just We're very blessed to be able to do this and, and to talk to people all over the country and learn so much about hunting and how to be a good person and how to motivate people. It's just, it's really awesome. You mentioned a caribou hunt and you showed me your caribou mount and I've been talking to Ryan and homie (laughs) about going caribou hunting. I want to hear that story, man. I just, that's like, everybody talks about elk hunting and I think that would be amazing but I really want to go caribou hunting. It's just, they, those animals just fascinate me. They're,
2: they're they're their bodies. And I heard they're delicious. So that is my most favorite game animal to eat. I'm telling you their meat is, it's delicious. Um, and that's, that kind of ties into veteran innovative products is that, you know, I came out with a guillotine and the atom and, and I debuted at the ATA show. I think I've been at two ATA shows, the second or maybe the third ATA show. And I, I had made friends with somebody there that was representing some other archery company selling sights and stuff. And um, anyway, he had a mutual friend, and he said, hey, we're going to be going down to Texas from Georgia, and uh, we're going to go hunt javelina and pig. And, and I said, well, are you coming down I-35? And they're like, yeah. That's "Well, let me know when. I just live 15 miles from that, and we'll meet and have lunch or something. We'll chat broadheads. I'll meet your friend. And well, that friend turned out to be Chris Albrecht. Right, my current business partner and one of my best friends, and and so that's how our relationship started. And they they were already scheduled to go on some caribou hunt. And they thought, hey, we got an opening. You want to go? <laughs> of course, I got to run that one by Mama. And, <laughs> uh, my wife is like, oh, just go. So, um, you know, we figured out how to make it work financially, and off we went. And um, so, the, you know, what they say about oh, caribou, they they walk, you know. They just keep walking, trotting, whatever. You can never catch up with them. Well, Chris and I proved that wrong. Um, it's, it's, it was a fun hunt. I could send you. I'll probably text me your email address. I, I know I got it somewhere, but just text it to me again, and I'll email you a short clip of the video of me putting an atom through this bowl I got on my wall here now. And Chris videoed it. It's uh, it was fun. It was. A, I recommend it. Go.
1: Yeah, so, where'd you go? Where'd you go to hunt them?
2: We went up in the Leaf River region of northern Quebec, um, and uh, we took a float plane 126 miles from the nearest civilization, and they dropped us on a lake, and um, there was some plywood cabins there, and there was a a cook and a guide, and we spent, we showed up, we showed up, there was uh, six of us, and all of us only had... Archery equipment, no guns at all. We didn't bring a gun. And when we got off, the guide was like, well, where's your guns? (laughs) We were like, well, we're bow hunters. We don't shoot guns. He said we're like the first group that never showed up with a gun in all the year 20, whatever years he'd been guiding. He'd never seen that before. Well, out of all of us, we had 12 tags to fill. By the end of the hunt, we filled nine of them. And it was a hunt. I mean, they weren't just running everywhere like you see on the TV. We had to go after them. um and then we learned <laughs> we learned the fun of when you go after them like five miles from the lake. Well, and kill one. Well, that's five miles of meat package you got to get back to the lake. Whew. That was a, a workout. I'm glad I did it when I was younger.
1: But, yeah, the, just you telling the story of you know, in Quebec, float plane. That's the hunt for me. Just like you're saying, if I shoot house. an animal, great. But the adventure and the story that you can tell your kids and your grandkids yeah. about you going up, you know. And on an, that's just, this I, I got to do that. I got to go on an adventure hunt where yeah. you're just out there with some really good buddies and you're just hunting every day. You're not thinking about anything but hunting, no work, you know, nothing like that. And you're just living, living waking up with sunrise and, man, just...
2: It's it's not all peaches and cream, I'll tell you, because Chris is Chris and you know some of us got scars from that trip, just from the magnitude of the millions of black flies that eat you or constantly they're chewing on you, <laughs> and uh, so you you definitely do your homework and go prepared.
1: Yeah, for um, sure. But
2: I I wouldn't trade it for the world. Oh my God, that was such a good memory. I mean, and when you go into the camp where you buy your licenses you know when they ask you wow well, do you want a bear tag do you want a ptarmigan tag do you want a fishing license get it all <laughs> just i'll tell you get it all i almost got a bear you know there was one up there the next morning i went and the weather changed so he never showed back up but i tagged out on my two caribou and then i went bear hunting and i shot ptarmigan and i caught some big beautiful trout and uh, we ate those they made ptarmigan stew and and you walk along the ground and Everywhere you look, it's just blueberries. So you can walk along and eat handfuls of blueberries all day long. And you can, you can. There's little streams everywhere up there, and so you can just stick your lips in the string and drink the water. It's so clean, pure, and delicious. And um, it, was a, it was really a good experience. I highly recommend saving your nickels and and getting up there with a buddy of yours and just do it.
3: Uh, we're we're sitting here looking at each other in the studio. We're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, we're like, how many nickels we got? We need yeah. a, we need to put a
1: nickel jar on the table and just put caribou
2: hunt on it. <laughs> That's it. Well, don't do nickels because you should probably. It's like somebody told us the other day. Hey, we kind of got a good trick on how we can save up a bunch of money by the end of the year. And I'm like, well, what is it? Every time you break a twenty, you know, or a, or a, you know, you break a bill and you get a five dollar bill, put that five dollar bill in a box, right? And just keep putting $5 bills in that box every time you break something else. And then, and next thing you know, you know, you have three, four, five grand saved up. There's your hunt. So,
1: Yeah. $5 bills. $5 bills. Here That's, we get yeah, here
3: go. I'm not spending another $5 <laughs> you got, bill. You guys
2: are <laughs> young and you got young kids, right? Then $5 is needed somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I spend, I, I use that dang debit card too much. I don't carry enough cash on me. That's yeah. my problem. That's yeah. My, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah i'm old school i like cash <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you there man you know exactly
1: what you got that way so
2: exactly so, i got i got i got uh, one
1: more hunt i want you to touch on because i okay. seen that picture i want to hear about that bear that bear rug oh man, man. we need a bear rug in the studio <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll just chris drape it around and, uh, my chair to soften it up a little bit
2: yeah my partner chris albrecht and i in um another buddy rolling Witt. uh oh, he's a crazy son of a gun country western music singing you know bass pond building he's he's like the redneck to the 10th power he's pretty <laughs> hardcore <laughs> good guy anyway we have another mutual friend named dan mangus and and um he's from wyoming and we would and we ended up and dan was on the caribou hunt with us that's how i met dan so dan invited us all to come up every year to uh wyoming to hunt mule deer antelope and he had a bear bait well we went up there gosh every year for years you know chris and roland and we all shot beautiful mule deer spotting stock and roland must have shot every year he got a dang antelope buck and it took me three years to get one and um, but i finally got one and uh, we just enjoyed the mangas family up there they were gracious to feed us and let us sleep down in their basement and and just kind of overtake their house for weeks months and at a time well roland and i went up there one year and the bear season opens up and uh roland had already tagged out on an antelope i believe or no a mule deer i think no, an antelope and a mule deer and then he finally looks at me because i just went up there to film and he goes all right your turn what do you want to shoot mule deer or a bear and I'm like, well, shit, I haven't shot a bear in forever. Let's go shit the bear bait, because we had, like, 12, 13 bears coming into it, and there was a couple whoppers. And so Roland was going to film me. I think we, we got it on film. You can actually see the shot on the bear uh, on our, our – our it's on YouTube. It's mixed in with the Adam Broadhead footage. And I forget the exact name of that link, but uh, I can get that for you guys. Um, But anyway, first evening, you know, first afternoon we're sitting there, and uh, Roland just taps me on the shoulder and says, it's coming. Man, I couldn't couldn't see it, you know, and he's sitting like three feet above me, and we're on this edge of this steep, steep drop-off. And, man, but I, I know Roland doesn't play when it comes to killing critters, so, um, I just grabbed my bow and, and and latched up my release and figured you know this isn't BS. I'm gonna be ready, and um, sure enough, it wasn't. Two seconds later, I don't know how it got that close, but this big old bear steps out, and my buddy Dan had told me he says, "Hey, we got a 55-gallon drum here, steel drum. If that bear comes up to this high on this thing standing there, that's a pretty good bear. Go ahead and shoot it." This damn bear was bigger than the barrel so <laughs> I, I didn't even hesitate as soon as it gave me a shot i was already at full draw and i stuck an atom tipped arrow clean through that thing and he jumped down off that cliff and went out of sight in a heartbeat and, and then it got dark and then sanity hit us and going i ain't go down that dark hole chasing the blackberry mm-hmm. in the middle of the night that got shot so we ended up coming in the next morning and shoot, the thing wasn't down at 60 50 60 yards piled up in a trees and me and rolling we, we couldn't even roll the damn thing over hardly it was so freaking big and so we we hacked a little trail to get a four-wheeler in there and we couldn't pick the bear up to get him on the four-wheeler so we had to actually pick up the four-wheeler and sit it on its butt right so the, the the wheels are up in the air it's pointing straight up to the sky. <laughs> and we had come along you know or uh, truck straps you know ratchet straps and we strapped that four-wheeler in place like that and then we rolled the bear up to it strapped it up best we could and then we couldn't pull the damn four wheeler's nose back down to all four (laughs) tires on the ground so we had to ratchet strap that one little ratchet at a time and then we finally got it down on all four and we could kind of roll the bear farther into the center of the buggy and 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 so there we were we got gravity working for us now and so we strapped it all up best we could and i had a polaris 500 back then you know, it was a pretty stout little machine and boy was it grunting with that old bear on there. But we put it in a truck and um well we rolled you know, we drove the buggy on a trailer and left it strapped to it. And we, we had to take it up to Casper to check it in with the fishing game folks. And um they tried to weigh it and it broke their scales. It, they hadn't had a bear that big before. So Anyway, I, uh, yeah, when it I took over
1: the, yeah, when it took the whole back of your couch, and I didn't know it was <laughs> a couch, I thought it was just a little bear standing there. I was like, that yeah. is a
2: giant black bear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's huge. Yeah. And so, my wife and I, we just moved into this house, and so I got all my game animals up now, except for the bear rug. I've left it over that because it is so big and so heavy. Um, you know, I, it, you, you don't want to just put it in the wall with Molly's holding it up and just pull out. We had that happen. That's why I know that. So, um, you know, we don't know what we're going to do with that bear rug. We think we might just leave it laying over the back
3: end of the couch. So. I would say here we are trying to wrestle a 200, 250 pound whitetail you guys are up there wrestling yeah. this bear around and we, we think we got it rough yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm
2: glad I have a buddy like Roland Wood. he's a stout son of a gun country boy I mean he grabs a hold of something and it moves and, and he was grunting so <laughs> it was fun. it was, you know all these memories are just I think it's it's why we hunt you know you're going to get old someday and I'm glad you better do things while you're young because when you get old you can't do it and you're going to have to have something to talk about right yeah
1: <laughs> yeah gotta have something to entertain the grandkids
2: <laughs> yeah um, like my grandkids gonna grow up and he's gonna be walking around this house looking at all these critters hanging on the walls and we're gonna have some good storytelling times and, and then we're gonna go out in the backyard and i'm gonna teach him to shoot a bow and cast a bait caster and you know yank lips off bass and skin out some deer and we're gonna have a good
3: time yeah it sounds like an awesome time is what it sounds like he couldn't have a better teacher yeah he couldn't have a
2: better
1: teacher i mean yeah as much knowledge you have and as many trips you've been on you know
3: is he gonna get a discount on veterans yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. what's
1: that
3: is he gonna get a discount on veterans
2: no No? (laughs) (laughs) i got bills man yeah (laughs) we hear
3: you um matt one thing i want to touch on with that bear hunt um you know you sent an adam through the bear um, oh yeah, I, I've just seen you know pictures and you know I watched a couple of the aerodynamic solution videos on YouTube. Yeah, um, how strong is that razor wire? You know, it's all twisted and whatnot to make the broadhead the way it is. I, I, you know, what's the structural integrity look like on it?
2: Um, I honestly, it's not as strong as the the veteran, of course, because I'm using razor wire technology, and during the razor wire manufacturing process. It does stress that small cross sectional density of metal. Uh, so there's little micro fissures in it. Well, you know, with all that th- said, though, that thing has gone completely through I don't know how many moose, uh, mm-hmm. big deer, elk, uh, Cape buffalo. It just blows right through them. And um, you may bend a wire or something, but it's pretty hard to break one
3: okay okay yeah i was wondering it you know if it flexed at all uh, i would not know anything about the micro fissures or anything like that but i would yeah, just assume yeah. that it would f- have a little flex to it i just didn't know how much but obviously if you're sending it through the giant bear you know it, it's not flexing too much
2: no no it cuts a one inch by one inch hole it's if. You guys don't have any in your – I haven't sent you any. I'll, I'll have to send you guys some so you can actually hold on to them. You, it's it's the world's first safe to handle broadhead. You're not going to cut yourself messing with it unless you really are jerking with it. And uh, and, and then it will cut you, and then you'll regret testing that. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, normal human handling speeds and pressures, and you can handle it. You won't hurt yourself a bit. Kids can play with it. And that's a big selling feature that's important to a lot of my customers and why we still make and sell it. We've got a lot of older crowd. You know, the older generation still hunts. Now they're typically using crossbows. But a lot of my customers say I'd have to give it up because of those scalpel-sharp razor blades because I'm on heart medication, you know, blood thinners. And if I cut myself, I don't stop bleeding. So these folks can go with confidence, still be self-sufficient and uh, not cut themselves and create a dangerous environment a long way away from a hospital and then conversely you've got the younger crowd women and kids that are just getting into it and they're intimidated by all this high fangled equipment and sharp stuff they can safely handle you can let your kid handle stuff and develop that uh sense of independence and and confidence from doing things him to herself and handling an arrow tip with the broadhead cuz it's safe to handle and they can ethically go and put that thing through a deer or a pig or a turkey or whatever they're going to go hunt locally and and uh, with confidence and so it's it's definitely a removing a potential problem from the whole hunt scenario for for the youth or for the older folks and so we still make them and sell them and so
3: all right, um, Cody and I. You know, we we've talked previous podcasts. You know, we we have an arrow in our quiver that we call the non VIP arrow. It's it's a different broadhead because you know if a if a bobcat comes in or a coyote comes in, you know, we don't want to waste the good stuff on
1: a squirrel. Yeah, you know? on a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> Those long days <laughs> but, in the but stand. We, we
3: like to challenge ourselves. So if if you want to send us a couple atoms, that'll be our non VIP arrow. Yeah, broadhead. Yeah.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to send you a couple things in because not only do we have the, the Atom, which is, it's not a, I mean, it's an expensive, you know, you're going to get a solid one-piece titanium body, right, with two nitinol nickel titanium alloy razor wires, very expensive stuff. Um, so, it's, it's, um, it's as good as the, the Veteran except for the cutting-width capability, which is an enhancer to lethality. So, I, I recommend everybody shoot the Veteran. Uh, but for the things like you want to apply it to yeah great i'll send you some but i'm also going to send you some diamond edition guillotines in 100 grain and those are great for small game you know you got that chattering squirrel over there two trees over looking at you going ha. i'm going to tell the whole woods that you're sitting in this tree so <laughs> not don't come around and the the diamond edition is a good one to you know quiet that squirrel down <laughs> you know I uh, and, uh, did,
1: you, did. You say that the razor wire broadhead that that was really good for birds, turkeys.
2: Yeah, we've you know we've killed. We've had customers that don't want to mess with the guillotine, but they like the atom, and they've killed a ton of turkeys with with the atom. Um, I mean, it's it's a. You know, it was the first broadhead in the world that you could shoot a thousand feet per second, have zero failures, and it goes exactly where a fill point goes, measured to the thousandths of an inch. It's, it is advanced technology. It's where I debuted what the veteran has, which is independent blade compressibility for straight line arrow travel. So, my elk that we were talking about hunting with Gerald that I killed that monster bull Boone and Crockett elk, my bow shot a blistering 237 feet per second and i'm shooting a 420 grain total arrow broadhead weight which is not considered heavy and i blew completely through the elk to the point where i got five six guys out there helping me trying to find that arrow we never found it it just kept going and buried up we couldn't find a darn thing but um it's passed through performances unmatched because we we were the first and we remained the only broadhead in the world that automatically adjusts its cutting width to get through and past bone and deliver straight line momentum, you know, and, you know, arrow travel. And so the quickest way to get from point A to B is always going to be a straight line. So any other fixed blade, any other mechanical, when the mechanical opens up, it's, it's a heck of a big fixed blade. Uh, They all are rigid and have to force that full cutting width through bone to get you know, even if they do get in, they've deflected a lot to get in, and it and it definitely robs away from penetrating distance potential. And then because of all that extra energy they, they waste, they they rarely get the output, you know, the exit, the complete pass-through. And I don't deem the broadage sticking out the other side a complete pass-through. I mean the whole arrow, boom, right through completely. So you have a free, open uh, wound channel. Um, so
1: Yeah, that's the number one reason we shoot veterans is because the pass-throughs Everything I've yeah. shot, I've never got a pass through on a turkey before. Until I shot a veteran, it just seems like, you yeah. know, when I I'm, I don't want to shout out names. When I shoot other mechanicals, it, they just get yeah. caught up in a turkey. It's I don't know if it's a, just the feathers, and it's about and the bone structure. So tight. no,
2: it's not. A turkey is easy to kill. It's a matter of the realities of a few things that come into play. On all other broad edges, one of the critical things is what's called mechanical advantage. Uh, not that it's a mechanical broadhead because the fixed blade broadheads, it's the length to width ratio, the efficiency of the length to width ratio. Long and lean penetrates easier than short and wide, right? It's just common sense. And so now you throw in another variable that nobody thinks about on broadheads and, and penetration on animals, living animals. They are responding to your sound of your bow or crossbow going up in microseconds they're able to start their body moving away from that sound so it's the same reason a catcher who catches a fastball at 100 miles an hour he's not breaking every bone in his body because he's not rigid in how he catches the ball he catches it and absorbs the impact over time and distance right closer to he moves closer to his body and uh if you slow motion video watch a, how a catcher He's got his arm extended out in front, right? And then he absorbs the impact like a shock absorber to stop that mass in motion, that baseball, and he doesn't hurt his hand. And the same thing a deer does in catching a broadhead-tipped arrow, that trampoline effect, if you will, that absorption quality. A turkey, a deer and an elk and moose, they're all four-legged, so they're planted pretty rigidly on on the ground, and they don't move as much as a turkey does. It's only planted there on two feet and has in my opinion damn lightning quick reflexes compared to uh to a uh, a deer or an elk or something and uh, and plus the first thing that a turkey does is typically throws up his wing to act like uh, he's trying to change the direction of the arrow if he happens to hit it either way they absorb a lot of energy just because you knock them off their two feet so they roll uh but the veteran is is back to the old-school traditional styles with that length-to-width ratio that's, uh, you know, very efficient at penetrating. So we don't have that blunt force trauma, so to speak, uh, that the vast majority of all other broadheads are, are evolved to nowadays because they're trying to cheat the speed factor and the aerodynamics that I don't have to worry about. I engineered out that problem, too, so…
3: Man, I knew it wouldn't take you long to get you fired up about the anatomic particle accelerators. <laughs> What's that now? I said I knew it wouldn't take you long to get fired up about the anatomic particle accelerators. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't no, I, do we, that we love people. talking to you. No, we don't, we're not bored. No. We're,
1: every time we talk about it, you, get you—you're just so passionate about it, and you're knowledgeable beyond mm-hmm. me and homie's capability. You know, so we're listening, and we're mm-hmm. like, wow. And and I understand what you're saying, but it's just something that I've never thought. Turkey. They're, you know, they're has lighter. Two legs. Everybody they're, else has four. They're two sturdier. legs, so they're moving with the arrow. So that's why you're yeah. not achieving penetra- penetration like you do on a deer, right. they're more rigid and solid right. when you hit. That's something that I never think about. But you, in your engineering mind, that's just common sense to you, which just blows yeah, me I don't away. Even. Yeah,
2: here's the thing. I I got on recently. You guys probably, I think you saw it Cody that there's a bunch of professional hunters down in Africa when they talk about losing an animal. You know that's the reason I got into this was to engineer a broader to where when all things go south, I'm going north and I'm going to kill that animal or give you the highest opportunity to kill the animal. The folks down in Africa deal with very dangerous game and so they've evolved to the point where yes, I do promote the fact that you all should be shooting in my opinion, I, you know, whether you're shooting 120 feet per second traditional or you're shooting, you know, a 375 foot per second compound or a 500 foot per second crossbow i think we all should be amplifying the mass in motion which penetrates it amplifies the ease of penetration so even when you have a bad shot or you've impact bone before you get to the vitals it minimizes deflection and it amplifies tremendously the the amount of momentum you have to just keep going through that animal and what that does is amplifies a quick ethical kill and an what i always strive for is the ultimate goal a quick recovery of your animal we don't lose animals we're less apt to lose animals so when i get in a conversation with these guys down in africa it always defaults to the same thing you know dr ed ashby's uh lethality studies born out of africa and there's nothing better and you should all be shooting single bevel broadheads well my studies if they proved that that's a fact of course i would be making single bevel broadheads but my studies show the opposite they are not quite what i would call detailed and unbiased in their data gathering and there was bias in the from the start in that study and that they they or i should say there was bias but there was also a lack of generational understanding of looking to the future and seeing what man's creative mind could produce that might be better than a single-bevel broadhead. Yeah, I'm biased. I made the veteran. But the facts are um, we have demonstrated in the two years the veteran has been out a consistency of fast-through performance through major leg bone that equals or has outperformed single-bevel broadheads. And it's easy to discuss why for people that are open and willing to discuss why with an open mind and understand there is new technology and facts and forensics and laws of physics that – explain why and it's like i made the comment earlier uh, you know the fastest way to get from point a to point b is a straight line we all know that that's that's a fact right my broadhead the veteran goes a to b minimizing that deflection through automatically adjusting its cutting width right when you impact bone as far as going straight through bone where the compressible cutting width doesn't come into play but my length to width ratio does that mechanical advantage i talked about now you got to look at the broadhead without the blades opening up what are the bone breaking features and splitting of that to allow my broadhead to go straight through faster with less energy wasted than a single bevel and it's like i tried to discuss it with them but they didn't want to hear it about i asked the question and it's a valid and simple question what magnitude of forward momentum energy are you removing from that penetrating distance potential to impart to the single-bevel broaded design that is now transferring to rotational energy and forcing a wide, full-cut width to go through the massive resistance of that bone to breach it. And my study shows a lot because it's never a... You uniform penetration, equal pressure on either side of that single bevel broadhead, there's always much more pressure on one side than the other, and as a result, not only are you wasting forward momentum energy, in the torquing of that broadhead to split the bone, but you're also forcing a massive amount of deflection to assist that bone break or breach happening. So when they shoot these cow bones, boy, it looked pretty, and that's how they used to justify, you should be shooting single bevels for dangerous game, but and then they say, oh, look at our pass performance in comparison to your mechanicals or your other 100-grain fixed blades. And the reality is you're not doing an apples-to-apples comparison. Um, you need to do the exact match weights to give you a more true indicator. But I even spotted a traditional design. It's three-blade. It's kind of popular now. I won't mention the name of it. But they tried to show this brought it will outpenetrate my veteran. And they spotted a 250-grain to 100-grain mm-hmm. weight disadvantage to the veteran they didn't even penetrate to the max cutting width and they bent our veteran broadhead just blew completely through pick it up clean it off still hair shaving sharp they were shocked now we've repeated this test not through this one kind of guy that did this comparison test but with a lot of popular 100 grain single bevels as well as heavier ones and um you know the facts are what they are and um you know do i want to have my 100 grain broadhead used to go after elephants and cape buffalo and this and that can it do it well sure do i want you to do it no i want you to use a, a heavyweight veteran technology broadhead you know right now we have 175 grain one out there but it's not mass produced to the public yet but it's tested phenomenally well so now i'm in the process of improving that to potentially when i can afford to bring it to market i am also working on a another dangerous game level for elephants in Cape Buffalo and, you know, up to that, you know, whatever weight my particular customer wants to use, which is probably up to 300 grains, about as high as I'll have to go, but it'll be, it won't be sporting the current blades I've got now. And it'll be a very stout design. Yeah. I did see see that
1: that guy commenting on that, on that post. And, and I, I, uh, like I said, I, I have no idea or have done no, uh, Mm -hmm no digging into african animals you know that's something
2: that's- it's i study it extensively uh because in my opinion and african animals the way they've been genetically engineered and evolved over time is they have a will to live that is ridiculous in my these are my own observations i i don't you know i don't have a biologist that's step forward to confirm them but i've voiced them before but in america we have a a moisture content to our overall national you know rainfall that that reaches the nation and animals have a, a i mean they can go drink water pretty much at will i mean you'll see the the southern zones arizona whatnot the animals have evolved to be very small bodies which are very efficient in how they handle the heat load that's placed on them season after season and their lack of water um, my thoughts are in Africa, yeah, there's quite lush and green and all this, but overall the continent is dry and they got to eat tough things and they've evolved to be tough because there's a lot of big predators and whatnot. And uh, so my theory is, in having studied forensics and bone densities, I think the overall African animals have a much tougher bone density. And like Cape Buffalo, they got overlapping ribs and, and there's walking armor. So, um you want to engineer your broadheads, and this is what I do. I engineer these 100 green better broadheads to go right down there to Africa and kill every animal down there if necessary. Um, but um, and, you know, anyway, it's 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 um, with those folks on the forum that they got to talking, and that one gentleman from Oklahoma, for example, I've both, I've guided down there, and for all these years and this and that, and and it raised the question with folks that have the inability to open their mind to new possibilities and better studies than what historically has been published and i've never published my studies i just won't do it i'm not going to give my competitors a leg up on how i derived my thought processes and and all that i'm just not going to do it i only do it when i have to go and testify before wildlife law enforcement for defending my designs to be remained legal and, uh, and we're 10 for 10, by the way, you know, so we've been challenged by bow hunters in multiple states, and we're we're 10 for 10. That uh, You know, my facts are facts, and their assumptions are just exactly what they are. They're, they think they know what they're talking about, and they actually don't. But down in Africa, the, the way these people come across on these forums, and it's not just them, it's all forums when it comes to talking bow hunting and broadheads and killing, and it's a mob mentality, and now, I've been bow hunting 35 years and I've killed all these animals and this is the best one in the world blah 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 and I'm like okay that's well and good now why is it better than this one and they can't talk to this forensic for the details and so I made the observation and I actually posted it and I quit responding to those people and a, a couple of the PH's came on PMing and me and I'm talking with them and we're going to do some things with them because they have that open mind and willingness to learn beyond what they've read or think they know and But I made the post on there, did you see, where I said, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a professional hunter down in Africa, to become a professional hunter, they have to go through at least four years of very specific schooling, like a college degree, and they also have to mentor under somebody that already has a professional hunting license for years until they're finally passed their tests and all their qualifications and they're awarded the title of professional hunting status. I mean, that's a big honor down there. And of course, I and, and everybody I know puts a lot of weight and respect on them earning that title. And I says, in view of that, why isn't there somebody like me that gets on a forum to talk specifics of broadheads and has spent 30 years of my life studying facts, forensics, science, material sciences, uh, anatomy, uh, aerodynamics, and all these other things that I've had to teach myself and apply – year after year, decade after decade, in produce these new designs, why am I so so disrespected or treated as an offhanded remark or my the weight of my conversation is proved invalid and dismissed by somebody that says, Well, I'm a professional hunter or I've supported them for all these years as an outfit or whatever and your opinion doesn't matter. Yet I have Facts, science, and and forensics to back up what I talk about, and we have to listen to those folks go because I said so. That's why you have to believe me. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, I find that, you know, pervasive throughout the industry, and and it's why I, I really try to check myself when I start participating in those type of forums because I get whacked. You know, the keyboard cowboy just just chew me up and spit me out. So yeah, I don't
3: I don't understand uh, why people don't uh, you know try to think about what you're saying because i mean maybe it's just because i know you and you know I've, I've talked to you and you you know you're talking about i just don't know if, if they think that you're just shooting from the hip and you, you don't really know or what but i mean you're stating facts on there and i don't i don't understand i kind of touched on it there last week about it and i just i don't understand it. yeah
2: i try, I, I try to be open-minded and that you know i'm, I'm pretty clever at all the stuff I've learned and then, then I've applied it, you know, it's a matter of knowing something, but then if you know so much more than me, well, what have you done with it? You do it, do exactly. something, show me where are your patents, you know, where's your products on the market or, or you just make them for yourself, show us. And then a hundred percent of the time it's, there's no response to that. <laughs> and it's really a no win argument. I don't try to, I don't like to do that, but um, so what I try to pass on is look if we talking together you cody and myself are talking right we all have something to learn from each other yeah i got a little higher skill level in some areas but you guys got a little higher skill level in some areas i may not have thought of and by us talking with an open mind is we all learn and grow collectively and just i'll give you an example the veteran brought it man i'm i'm so proud of that thing when i debuted oh we are just having a you know a 90 Seven ninety-eight percent animal recovery rate. The blades are opening up more than, you know, 97, 98% of the time. And I'm thinking it's good to go. And what did my customers tell me? You know, Matt, it's not quite right. You know what? Looking at it with an open mind and, and away from the bias of my ego, if you want to call it that. I'm like, you know what? They're right. I better get damn busy on this because they're telling me I need to improve. So we did. So we came out with that new improved blade block ring. And by gosh, now we've absolutely... Don't have any of those problems anymore that they were pointing the finger at or concerns of theirs. And in uh, the broad, it got better as a result of it. So, even as much as I know, I still don't know everything and I can do better. And it is the poking and prodding of those that question me that allow that to happen. So, I keep an open mind that I don't know everything. And I'm always trying to learn. And I, I just wish some of that would be reciprocated because these folks, these folks, uh we'll discover the fact that uh, what a lot of people in two years now are trying to tell other people like you see on the forums that you know i've used this veteran broadhead two years now and i haven't had any troubles and and i've killed you know five six seven animals with the same broadhead and just cleaned it off and it's still going and we don't practice with them we don't have to sign in with them they are field point accurate and all this fun stuff is I don't have to say much anymore and, and uh, cuz our customers are speaking volumes now based off the one thing that is uh, will stand the test of time and that's the truth
3: and, uh, Yeah,
1: so it's not no phony facebook marketing it's the truth it's I'm pretty yeah, I'm, I like to get on those forums because for one I feel like broadheads like it's like almost like a taboo topic in the hunting oh, world yeah. and when you start going into it everybody has their thing and it don't matter if you said these things will i guarantee you if you bought these you shoot to 160 every year they'd still wouldn't buy them they would still shoot <laughs> yeah. what they shot because that's what they're confident with so after i tell them why i'm passionate about a product i tell them you know if you are if you are having luck with what you're having go for it but there's going to be a time just like I had, where you're, you you might recover the animal, but it's not as good as it would have been if you would have had a veteran on the end. You know, just well, having a past right. you
2: know? Yeah, here's the thing and why I understand their their mob mentality or their passion for the particular brand make, model of what they're using. That's all great. I, I embrace that, because if you go in the woods with a more confident attitude, you're going to have better results. Um, but... Here's the reality of the facts and the forensics, and this is born over a bunch of independent different studies. 20 yards and in is typically the study criteria, right? I actually did 20 and 40 yards because an average bow hunter, the average distance a bow hunter in North America is going to shoot an arrow at a live living animal of any species or any make, model size is f- 38 yards and less. That's the overall average of uh, you know 98. Yes, there's people that shoot 100 whatever yard. Great. That's we're talking. The vast majority is less than 40 yards. So I did a study of 40 yards and in and 20 yards and in. And so here's the reality of the forensic results of all this studies compiled. Fixed blade broadheads will deliver you a recovered animal approximately 83 percent of the time at 20 yards and in mechanicals will deliver you a recovered animal 87 to 88 percent of the time at 20 yards and in when you move that out to 40 yards now you're talking a lot or, a lot longer in air time and you're talking an animal has an opportunity more time to move out of the way or move right and uh, and so these couple things combined plus you start factoring in fixed blade broadheads yes they still perform but now you're more apt to have a marginal shot. So their fixed blade brought it is less cutting width. And so a marginal hit, you just may not get enough of that vital. And and so your recovery rates drop for fixed blades. They also drop for mechanicals because now you're out there at the extreme range of the mechanicals. And they've already, as soon as they leave the string, they start decelerating. So at 40 yards, your arrow's not traveling what it did to the chronograph or what they marketed it as, right? Especially if you're using feathers, which is what I prefer to use. But, um, so it's decelerating always, so you're losing momentum for penetrating distance potential. And the broad edge. and this is one of the reasons I engineered the veteran like I did, was I didn't want to waste energy deploying my blades. And so I have my own energy to open up my own blades. I'm not taking away from my distance penetrating potential. And then comes in that mechanical advantage thing we talked about. Anyway, long story short, at 40 yards, mechanical broadheads uh, also suffer in recovery rates so they're dropping down between the fixed blades and the mechanicals they're in low 70 percent recovery rates so that's a big difference and that's born basically off the geometry of you know inaccuracy the farther you get out you know the farther you go you know anybody can hit a dime at 20 yards i mean with a modern compound bow but not many people can hit a, a dime at 100 yards you see what i mean the error is amplified because of the geometry factor. You know, at at 20 yards, you're an inch off. At 30 yards, you're a half inches off. At 40 yards, you're 6 inches off. It amplifies. And um, so that's a big difference when you're trying to kill an animal. Um, So anyway, all these variables come into play, and, and the veteran broadhead, even though the geometry changes at 40 yards and in, our recovery rate stayed over 95%. So 20 yards and in, we're we're like 90, 90, 98, some almost 99% recovery rates. Um, so it's that's in two seasons, based off field reports from folks I don't even know. We compile you know, I compile all that. So uh, the difference is, you know, it's it's tremendous. Um, yeah, so we're that's what I go, you know, that's what I go off from is recovery rates. You know, early on I did have a gentleman who shot three deer, and I think he only recovered one. And, well, there's a couple things attributed to that shot placement. Well, that's the one thing I can't fix is shot placement. Uh, and then they actually got dogs to try to recover those animals. And even the dogs failed to recover the animals. So we all know that it definitely was shot placement. They didn't hit the vitals. So therefore, the dogs had nothing to track. So, yeah, and no buzzer, you know, then days, days and days went by, no buzzer. So those animals are alive. So, you know, yeah, I make a pretty, keen broadhead but it's up to the bow owner to put it where it's supposed to go Mm -hmm.
1: so we're talking about all this stuff on the internet you know the blogs and stuff but i want to talk about that recent post that vip put out uh about about where people can find veteran broadheads now
2: oh yeah that's been kind of under wraps and why we've been so busy and stressing for months now is um you know walmart did their own study and realized man that veteran brought it's it's a good brought it i mean some of their folks went out and killed animals and you know they like the fact that we're 100 percent american made and and they they you know they do show me some respect in the fact i'm a veteran and a veteran owned company and and we've worked hard with them to 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 go through all the hoops that a walmart has you know largest retailer in the world (laughs) we we did it And we made our first delivery yesterday to to Walmart. And in the coming couple of weeks, we are fixing to put veteran broadheads on the shelves of Walmarts all over the nation. So the 5th of July, which is what's more fitting than the celebration of the, you know, the 4th of July, Uh, you know, the the day after that big national celebration, um, our broadheads, the veteran broadheads will be on the shelves uh, all over the nation on the 5th. That's
3: well, yeah, I would say. Well, congratulations on that. We know it's a pretty big step for you guys, and uh, you know, you can probably hear us celebrating from Illinois way up here, man.
1: Yeah, no, we were, we were, I mean, I just, I we can like me and Ryan, we connect to people that are just crazy passionate about bow hunting, about products, and that people that want to succeed. And we can tell that you're so passionate about this, and for you guys to finally reach that momentum to where you're like, all right, man, we, you know, we have accomplished something. And just, just like I was talking to to Homie, I said, when you go buy Broadheads, a lot of times, if I believe if a veteran was on the same shelf as other competitors at Walmart, it would get picked over all the other brands almost every time. Because, But like I said, it hasn't been there before to people to see, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. It, when now you're reaching the northern states and Walmarts and stuff and you know, I I bought broadheads from Walmart before, Dunhams, you know, stuff like that. And and most of the time a lot of people I know, they walk into the store and and they just they just buy them, you know, a couple weeks before season, you know. And and I I think it's going to be you know, a major moment for you guys. And I I, I believe they're going to fly off the shelves and you're going to have to send them another order is what I hope, man. Well, that's
2: the, <laughs> of course, that's the goal. Yeah. You, know, you know, for all these years that we've done aerodynamic solutions and now Veteran Innovative Products, you know, the reason we renamed, rebranded, if you will, and, and um, uh, started Veteran Innovative Products was after Afghanistan, you know, that's a life-changing experience for me. And and you, you realize real quick, you don't have much time left on this planet sometimes, not as what you think you did. And You better get done what you really want to get done. And so I quit consulting and, and, you know, my wife, bless her, was the one that realized I need to apply my brain to do something productive or I'm going to go crazy and explode, you know, and implode basically is a better word. And and so. I did just that because I'd been working on this veteran broadhead for years. We had prototypes out. People loved them, but I wasn't happy with them, and, and I needed to just kind of, I couldn't quite figure it out, and and so, through the grace of, you know, my wife's patience and persistence and a whole lot of other people involved, never gave up on me, and, and I, I focused and applied myself, and and the veteran was born, and. And uh, the goal was to do this for a living because we'd never done it for a living before. That was never the goal. It was just a, you know, a fun hobby type of business. And now, yeah, this is serious. I mean, and we're serious about it. And and uh, now we're coming out to compete against the entire market share and go go get it. You know, when you go to war, you don't go there just to to, to win a little bit, right? And uh, so I'm going to war with the broadhead business, and I I my goal is to is to to Dominate, you're know, right to win. And so now Walmart is giving us an opportunity to take that first massive leap forward
1: well, towards you, that goal. I so, tell you, you got a couple, couple big soldiers up here in Illinois, and and we're we're <laughs> gaining people every day, man. Yeah. People are messaging us, and people are Snapchatting us, like, hey man, I just listened to that episode, and you know, I I, I gotta have some of these. Where do I get them? You know, now I can say, hey man, go to Walmart. You know, or yeah. or order them off Walmart. You get free shipping to your store, man. I mean, you can get them right there. So. Yeah, it's
2: pretty awesome. You just go walk in and get them is the cheapest way. Just walk in and get them off the shelf, and you don't have to pay for shipping. You don't have to wait for them. Just go get them. That's why we're we're excited about this because we we I know there's a lot of folks out there just don't like ordering things off the internet, and they're a little leery of it, or they just don't think to do it that way. They want them in their local pro shops, and and you know because the economy here in the last few years and now it's turning around obviously with trump in there god bless him but it's been hard to get shelf space in pro shops because they have too much inventory or they're waiting to the last minute and well we we, we're in business to be in business too and if we're not selling them to the local pro shops well we got to find another avenue to reach the customers that want them or at least let them see them because a lot of folks aren't even aware the veteran exists because they just won't they don't we're not talked about in any magazines you know we're our social media reaches our best outlet but it's hard for folks that work 40 50 60 hours a week and they don't read the hunting magazines of course we're not in those but they don't they don't they go to the pro shop when they have the time and get what they need and if we're not there they don't even know about us so uh being in a walmart and uh, spreading the word that we're there they'll they're much more likely to see it because everybody goes to walmart right
3: yeah. So, yeah.
2: Walmart's so,
1: the cheapest place, man. That's where I go. Walmart and Aldi. Yeah. Yeah,
2: right. yeah. We're hoping to, you know, we're also hoping to get into Bass Pro and Cabela's. But last year, you know, we were talking to Cabela's and Bass Pro bought out Cabela's. And so that brought that potential to go in either doors or both doors there to a screeching halt. So um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, um, you know, we can pick that conversation back up now that they're kind of settling into that merger. That uh, that we can get the veteran brought it in uh, into both of those stores as well, and, and further amplify our reach and raise awareness to a much larger bow hunting audience. So,
3: you know, I just think when when people listen to this and they hear you talk and how knowledgeable you are about the engineering and the science that went into it, and then you add in my success with it, Cody's success with it, and then you know, here come this fall, we're gonna have twelve. Twelve plus people that have just t- contacted us about, hey, I'm going to start shooting the veteran this year. Just from you guys talking about it, we're going to be able to add yeah. all them right into the story of the veteran broadhead growing.
2: Yeah, you guys are helping. It's like I said on the Facebook post. You saw my copy the link from our our VIP page, and I put it on my personal page. And I had to write in there that, you know, I had to thank everybody. That's you guys and all of our. I mean, there's a bunch of people out there that gave us a shot, and um, and they they obviously the vast majority of them had success beyond what they'd ever experienced before. Consistency of success is kind of how I like to say it, and um, and they've told other people, and it's through all that, and then they've gone back onto the Facebook and posted things. Well, people are watching that, that make decisions, right? And this five-star rating that we've got out there on our Facebook page, people are looking at those. And those are the things that tip the scales of a decision-making process. And that's why I say I can't thank my entire VIP family, both my wife and daughter and my business partner, his family and his business partner, and, and everybody involved at the machining and anodizing and assembly and packaging. But it's also, the vip family of you guys and all of our customers that are out there that are giving good honest unbiased constructive feedback on their field results and the durability and reusability and accuracy and all the things that come into play it's like i said over time we're going to just smash through the ingrained habits of how people choose broadheads and get them thinking on facts and forensic and recovery rates and accuracy and truth and accuracy and not you don't have to do all this magic walk back tune of your bow to kind of rob peter to pay paul to get somewhat close between field points and fixed blade broadhead. no 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 if we engineer a better broadhead practice with field points unscrew those field points screw the veteran on and go hunt because it's going to go right where your field points go You know, and then we're going to hit and kill the animal like we say we do as long as you put it in the vitals. And so all this truth of performance is going to supersede marketing schemes and fancy graphics and paid celebrities and all the stuff that goes along with that selling of broad eds and capture of market share. You know, I I relish the challenge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, you're kicking that challenge's ass, man. We got it. We well, it's
2: not just me. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it's a huge VIP family that we are all. The, it's like I talked about broadheads, right? Or, or the whole dangerous game. You know, bro, but jumping into the bow hunting biz or broadhead manufacturing, and selling is a dangerous game. So uh, you better prepare for it. And so the, the m- more mass in motion is going to penetrate deeper and have a better result than less mass in motion. And so the vip family is that collective educated experienced mass in motion that is amplifying the fact of what we started out saying from day 1 is the god's honest truth and oh by the way we did get better so it's even better and um, and so this is just exciting times for us and we're hoping that you know academy and bass pro and exporting goods and all these other folks you mentioned somebody there earlier i didn't that's local to you i didn't recognize it. uh dunham's or something yeah, yeah dunham's yeah that's a pretty yeah. local one to us uh, yeah so all these the dominoes fall one it takes the first one to fall and thank god it was walmart and uh it's, it couldn't happen at a better time and now we're hoping that all the other dominoes uh, are easier to tip over because we've already proven ourselves and if you can support and satisfy the world's largest retailer well all the other ones should be a a much simpler we already do business with bass pro shops with our guillotine broadhead so we we love them i mean they've been great for us for how many years cindy 12 years 13 years i mean they're a great company to work with and and um and we look forward to jumping on board cabela's as well now but um so you know it's just that's part of business you just got to work hard do sales and and capture customers and and um and hope you have more sales than you need (laughs)
1: <laughs> for sure man we, we're we're so glad you guys took the kind time to talk to us after this you know monumental day for you guys of on on all this success and uh, this as, as always it's a first class act when we talk to you and we learn so much you got some so many awesome stories we probably do 10 podcasts with you and never get them all so
2: yeah, we got some stories, and then don't don't get me started on my Navy stories, because you probably have to <laughs> do a lot of bleeping. You know? <laughs> Look, I'd like to kind of kind of wrap this whole, I know we talked about folks on Facebook and conversations and all there and all, but we did touch on what's most important to me in that I do end such conversations with typically when there's folks that are just particularly hard-headed and inflexible in their thoughts or open minds and i do tell folks look with whatever you choose to put on the end of your arrow we're all bow hunting family and we all need to stick together so if you're happier with some other make model besides what i manufacture and sell that's great i'm glad you're having success out there pass on to the next generation our bow hunting passions and and just be safe have fun and i hope you shoot the biggest animal of your dreams and, uh, and so it doesn't because it goes back to what we talked about with gerald the trophies and all that stuff really don't matter it's about making the memories with people that are important to you having success in the field and praying that the animal is quickly and ethically killed with whatever you use and really and that's really the the foundation of my beliefs the, the fact that i make and sell broad it's that's like you guys tell me all the time it is my passion and i think it's one of the things that i was put on this earth to do with with my mind to keep me out of trouble (laughs) so so, uh, it's what i love to do yeah you sure do a hell of
3: a job with it and uh just a word of advice is put a veteran on the end of that thing and send it yeah we can't we can't
1: end it better than what you just said you know do what you do we're all we're all uh we're all the big bow hunting family we we try to strive that on this podcast is uh we support yeah. everybody. If you're out there hunting, having a good time, doing it legal, doing it, you know, ethical.
2: Yep. We support it. So we're gonna yeah. get off. I here, mean, guys. I, I, I know a lot of my competitors, the owners of these different companies that make themselves. sell. But man, I like them. They're they're a bunch of great guys, just like you, just like the, your neighbors, and they're all just trying to do what they love too. So I can't knock that. <laughs> but but they better be careful because here comes VIP. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, uh, I will close with uh, the – I haven't heard back my wife chime in yet here who's sitting beside me. That I was
3: going to say, be sure you tell her hi or unless daughter, she's going to jump is on she, here. She's at the hospital?
2: Yeah, my daughter's at the hospital. She had to get taken in there because we might be having a grandson tonight. So,
1: Well, congrats on that, man. Thanks for spending yeah. the time with us to talk about the veteran and and right. uh, Gerald, Gerald and all your hunting experience. And every time, like I say, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, just to the listeners, we love you guys, and keep hitting that play button.
2: Call me anytime you want to swap some stories. All right, man. Good luck. Let us know about that baby. I will. Thanks, guys. Yeah.